On today's Fantasy Baseball 15, we'll discuss a rough outing for a potential ace and some saves targets. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Wednesday, April 14th. I'm Al Melchior, and with me here to break down everything is Derek Van Riper. And uh, I know breakdown is not necessarily a combination of words we want to start off the uh, the show with because we usually do start with some injury updates and unfortunately DVR. That is where we are headed right now uh, with the Brewers. A couple of updates. Lorenzo Cain exited Tuesday's game early with quad discomfort. So that uh, narrowed down that outfield uh, by one more player. Uh, so that, that surplus that the Brewers had, they've, they've really needed it because Christian Yelich also not in the lineup once again, uh, but improving. So perhaps he's back uh, very, very soon. Uh, but uh, also with the Padres here, losing an outfielder, uh, per, you know, we don't know for how long, but Will Myers leaving their game against the Pirates with an apparent injury. So at this point, we don't have a further update on that. But uh, let's talk about another player from that game, DVR, who uh, didn't get hurt, but didn't stick around long. And that's Blake Snell. Only got six outs against a team that I think pretty much everybody figured was going to be a great matchup for him or, frankly, any other pitcher that faces them. Uh, do you make anything out of this really, really poor start? It's always tempting to look at a bad start, especially in a favorable spot. And this might be the most favorable matchup you could possibly have in the league right now. And to, to panic. like It's easy to do that. And I think what I'm looking for this early is I'm looking for players who have lost a lot of velocity and even then, I still want to see what happens the next time out. So if we're talking about Snell or any other top 20, top 25 type pitcher, as long as they make their next start, I'm very unlikely to reserve a player like that next time out just because of one bad outing. I mean, good pitchers have bad days. Like, it happens. Yeah. Even Blake Snell against, like you said, a team like the Pirates, it happens. It happens every year, and especially this early uh, it would be a mistake to take action based on that, unless maybe you're buying low. Uh, how about Steven Strasburg? Uh, poor start uh, by him against the Cardinals. Um, and also just uh, a sighting, uh, something that I discovered via Twitter and uh, Mark Zuckerman, that Strasburg apparently was was rubbing his shoulder. So we could read all kinds of stuff into that. I know you've broken down the velo trends for Strasburg. So after looking at all that, where, where do you come down on him after this start? Yeah, so Strasburg in his start on Tuesday night was averaging 90.6 on his four-seamer. He was down in his first start of the year if you compare his 2021 velo to 2019 since he was hurt and barely pitched in 2020. So he was down a full tick compared to where he was two years ago. But I'm still not sure if we're in April going to take that and say, okay, this is what he is now. We should we should panic. It's it's a yellow caution light, right? It's something to keep a close eye on. The other thing you got to keep in mind too, Steven Strasburg doesn't throw as many fastballs now as he used to. That pitch is less important to him now than it used to be. He can go heavy curveball and heavy changeup. And as long as he's locating the fastball effectively, 
it can still work. I mean, he pitched so well against the Braves his first time out. I mean, six scoreless innings, one hit, missed plenty of bats. You can't just look at what happened to him getting crushed in St. Louis and say, oh, well, it, it's, it's all falling apart. He's just done. I think you want to know if that shoulder he was rubbing is bothering him. Uh, you want to know if there was something else going on, possibly that he was tipping pitches. But I would say much like Snell, whose velocity was actually really good in his abbreviated outing against the Pirates, so that's a little more encouraging. Much like Snell, I'm not panicking unless there's further information that comes out in the form of some kind of physical problem that might be impacting either one of these guys going forward. That's interesting because, yeah, I was going to ask you what you might do for Strasburg the next time around. Uh, I know you started him. I started him in my daily lineup league, uh, which is not new league. And I, I will consider sitting him for the next one just to see how, how that goes, which, uh, you know, you may disagree with that. Uh, in general, I think that's not really a great way to go, but maybe I'm influenced by the fact that Strasburg has had this, uh, this injury history. So, uh, We'll see. We'll see uh, what information comes out between now and then. Uh, so some good news for Josh Donaldson. He is expected to return for the Twins on Wednesday and play in at least one of the doubleheader games against the Red Sox. So that's something to look forward to. And a couple of pitchers who are looking to come back this weekend. Sonny Gray, we've been anticipating this one. We're still looking to see exactly what the fallout is with the Reds rotation. But he will make his first start of the year either Friday or Saturday against Cleveland. And Kwon Kyung Kim, he is expected to start Saturday against the Phillies. So, uh, Gray and Kim, uh, do you start them right away coming back? Gray, I think I will. I've been planning on it in weekly leagues. Had to make the call before we got the official confirmation because it looked like he was going to be good to go for that matchup against Cleveland. I think it's a below average lineup as a whole, even though the middle of Cleveland's lineup can do some damage. So, comfortable enough to play Gray in that spot. Kim had the league been given more opportunities to see his stuff and adjust to him a little bit. We would have got a better indicator of where he's truly at Uh, for a guy who only struck out 24 batters in 39 innings last year. I'm very skeptical. Uh, The ERA last year was under two. I mean, a 162 ERA and a 103 whip. That's fantastic. But the underlying skills don't completely back that up. All right. And there's another interesting wrinkle in that Cardinal situation because to make room for Kim, Daniel Ponce de Leon's going to the bullpen. And I had passed on some opportunities to add John Gant in some leagues. So I, I really liked him as a reliever. Not sure exactly how he's going to fare in his return to the rotation, but uh, I, I do like the potential there. So uh, for me anyway, uh, this is a green light to go and, and add Gant in you know, maybe 14, 15 teamers and deeper if he is still out there. And maybe even 12 teamers, just you know, keep an eye on, on him uh, and, and see how that goes. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. So uh, let's talk about a couple of hitters here. DVR, Jed Lowry. Uh, you can 
block that one off of your bingo card. Uh, <laughs> the players who we were going to be talking about within the first two weeks. Uh, fourth straight multi-hit game for Lowry. He homered on Tuesday against Arizona, and he's batting third for Oakland. So a lot to like there in the short term, but obviously, uh, you know, the small sample warnings uh, do apply here. But with all that's going right for Lowry, where where does it make sense to make a move for him? I think he's rosterable and playable at least down into 12 team leagues. I think the power kind of topping out at 23 homers three years ago now gives you an idea where the ceiling used to be. I'm not sure he's getting back there, even if he stays healthy all season. I think that's a big question at this point. He's played a total of nine games over the previous two seasons. So this could actually be a little bit like the late career surge we saw from Howie Kendrick, you know, getting an opportunity, having a prominent spot in the lineup and delivering on that. I'm really curious to see if Lowry finishes the year in Oakland. If the A's are not a playoff contender this summer, he seems like the kind of player that would be traded to a contender to possibly, you know, make a bench better or fill a need at second base. Uh, I believe in the skills. I like the role. I just think we're talking about a guy that unfortunately has an F health grade, so it could unravel pretty quickly if injuries catch up to him again. Yeah, that's always the disclaimer that we do have to issue when talking about Jed Lowry, but not, you know, again, not that that's a secret uh, to it's probably most folks listening here. And uh, another player who's really not putting up great numbers, but I think anytime that we see a catcher getting a lot of playing time, especially with the help of the DH slot, I think it's worth mentioning. And Luis Torrance, he has now started five straight games for the Mariners, two of those as the designated hitter. And in each of the last four of those games, he's hit either fourth or fifth in their lineup. And I, there's certainly upside here. So uh, where where should we be looking to add Torrens? I think in any two-catcher league, he's playing enough to think about him. Uh, I think at a 12, he's probably in the lineup more often than not. And I think Luis Torrens sort of popped for me looking at some of the minor league numbers in 2019. I mean, he had a double-digit walk rate. Struck out less than 20% of the time and showed a good bit of power. 15 homers in 97 games. And it wasn't the rabbit ball situation at AAA. He was one level below that. But he was 42% better than league average. And this is a guy that was better than league average at a few other minor league stops along the way. And because they're going through that rebuild, he's going to hit a lot higher in the lineup in Seattle than a lot of other young catchers are going to hit in better lineups. So I think that bodes well for Luis Torrens as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And another development that is pretty interesting for Seattle, and that is the third blown save already this season for Rafael Montero. So is it safe to assume it's Kendall Graveman time? I'm glad that I went ahead and picked up Graveman in a few leagues on Sunday night, even though Montero sort of righted the ship temporarily. Graveman as a reliever is so much more interesting than Graveman ever was as a a ground ball inducing kind of innings eater back end starter, which I I feel mean saying that, but the velo's up a lot as a reliever. I mean, he's averaging 96 on his fastball. He still gets a ton of sink can still get ground balls, but he has a changeup and a slider. And I just think a, a three pitch closer with that kind of velocity could actually be really good. So I had no reservations about Montero where he was going on draft day. I thought in terms of job security, he'd be fine, but he's been so shaky early that it's not really a bad call for Seattle to make an adjustment and see if if Graveman finishes out games more effectively. And another situation, too, that is maybe turning out a little bit differently than we 
thought it would, uh, you know, maybe even just a week ago. And that is Oakland, where we talked on several different episodes, DVR, about uh, Jake Diekman looking like he was going to inherit that role with uh, Trevor Rosenthal out for uh, several months. But uh, both in terms of the usage patterns and also in terms of some reports that have been out recently, it looks like the job is pretty much Lou Trevino's. And he did, in fact, notch his first save on Tuesday at Arizona. So who do you like better between the two? Slight edge to Trevino just because we've got more of an indication that he's got a larger share of the save opportunities for now, but not a lot that separates them. Um, I do think if you said, whose skills do you like better? If the roles were completely even, the edge would actually go to Graveman. I think Lutravino's control gives me a little bit of pause, but um, both could end up being pretty effective bottom tier closers. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, well, let's take a look ahead here to the Wednesday slate. A lot of interesting streamers. Uh, Michael Fulmer going to make his first start of the year for the Tigers uh, at Houston. So he's been really good and granted a very limited amount of innings in a bullpen role. Uh, but also you got Johnny Cueto coming off a, a very, very good outing and going against his former team, the Reds, and, and doing so at home. Uh, an interesting matchup here with Griffin Canning and Brad Keller. So out of this whole slate, who do you really like to stream on Wednesday? I would say of the streamers that you've got here, Joe Ross against the Cardinals is pretty interesting to me because I think the Cards lineup is below average. I don't know if it's bad, but it's certainly not a lineup that you fear right now, even though there's a couple big names in there, of course, with Arenado and, and Goldschmidt in the heart of the order. I think Joe Ross showed us something that first time out. I've always been kind of intrigued by his skills. Maybe it's all starting to come together for him in his age 27 season. So I think he's the guy that I would actually be the most comfortable picking up and playing when you start to weigh the matchups here. Cueto, not too far behind. Griffin Canning, I want to like, but I don't know. He just seems a little bit too inconsistent for me right now. So I'm taking more of a wait and see with him where I can. Let's go to our weekly prospect spotlight. And DVR, we're going to do this one a little bit differently because so far we've been talking about some fairly high-end prospects, but I think we're going to have plenty of time throughout the season to talk about them, especially once they start piling up some minor league stats. So instead, I thought we'd kind of take the, the opposite approach and look at a couple of Frankly, players that I think it would almost be a stretch to call them prospects, both because of their their pedigree and their age. Uh, but they are playing in the majors right now. Eli White is part of that Rangers outfield due to some injuries. And Josh Palacios, at least temporarily, uh, filling in for Teoscar Hernandez, who is on the COVID uh, IL and was actually just recently diagnosed uh, with COVID uh, with positive tests. So a couple of outfielders getting some run right now. Uh, what is the appeal with either of these guys? Palacios is, for me, more of an AL-only filler sort of player. When you look at some of the old scouting reports, there's really not much there in terms of a hit tool or power with Palacios. And I think because that depth chart will be so crowded once it gets healthy, you can't really see a long-term path for him at all in Toronto. Uh, Eli White, I think, is a little bit more intriguing because in deep, deep mixed leagues, I think there's at least a chance that he sticks around and, and does something. I think if Leody Tavares continues to struggle, he's going to see some time at AAA this year. That's going to leave the door open for White to at least temporarily maybe fill in as the Rangers' primary center fielder. The concern I have in the short term, but before that happens, Eli White's got to get the K rate down. 
All right. Well, a couple of players to check out while they're still uh, in the lineups for their respective teams. And uh, so that's going to be all for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you are enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating or review, we would greatly appreciate it if you do take the time to do that. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be back with you on Thursday.